Why have I quit my job? Why have I, you know, bought a van? And, and why am I going to drive around the country? Well, I'm passionate about the idea that you need to be heard. And I want to stitch these stories together across the states. We're going to find the commonalities. And it's going to be really an amazing experience. And I look forward to you joining me on the job. Hey everybody! Welcome back to Mental Health Today. One of our first—excuse uh, <clears throat> me—one of our first live shows in a while. Took a took a little bit of a break from producing these as I kind of traveled around and and parked the van in Denver for the jar. Uh, the episode, the show you just saw there, preparing the van. Uh, so the van's parked in Denver, taking a little break. Still releasing uh, shows every day uh, during the week from some stuff we had in the can, some stuff we had backed up. Uh, but the mental health part today is still evolving, still growing. This is a show that really I invested in. As as you saw in that video, I talked about what are the common things that I'm going to see. Uh, and those comments were made before I'd started the journey. And really to see 280 people, to get those interviews done and look at the mental health crisis across the country uh, that I witnessed firsthand and that I heard these stories and how people have overcome them and the journeys to you know finding finding their own kind of peace of mind or getting on that road uh, to getting help. And it's been, it was really interesting and empowering and, um, you know, motivational to where the point where I decided to start this podcast so I could hear from people in the business, from professionals, uh, as well as people who are in the journey themselves. And, and even a lot of the professional people, a lot of us uh, have been on our own mental health journey in somewhere, and we all are uh, trying to find, you know, better and better uh, places for our heads and our head space. And uh, today's uh, going to be an interesting interview. Shannon, welcome to the welcome to Mental Health Today. Thanks for being a guest. Thanks for having me, Ken. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. We um, so I think one of the interesting things about this show is it's a chance. Really, it is a show where people talk about what they do and how they help you know, in the end, or what they see as the opportunity, Shannon, to get, you know, how do we help address a crisis? What's our personal experience? So I'm, you know, this is, it really is all about what you do. And uh, so I think it's a great, you know, a great episode, a great way to start is to really find out, you know, ultimately a little bit of background, but what you're doing today. And, you know, maybe we kind of unwind how, how you came to this and, and then somewhere in there, we'll, we'll kind of extract some of the lessons. So maybe Sounds you give good. us a little, a little background, a little background, and then what you're, what are you doing today? Okay. Well, I've been a therapist for about 35 years, and I've worked in pretty much every avenue of therapy, from private practice to residential centers, addictions, pretty much the whole gamut. About five years ago, I decided that I needed to sort of share what I've learned with a larger audience. And so I started a YouTube channel. And I just looked and we were 25 subscribers short of 25,000 as of today. So that's kind of cool. Whoa, uh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of, kind of took hold and I thought it was going to be about all types of issues, um, depression, anxiety, everything. But okay. what happened was mostly people really wanted to understand more about toxic relationships, narcissistic, abusive, and toxic relationships. And so that became more of a focus. And then as time went on, it became pretty much my mission. And huh. I, um, what's Oops. That one? <laughs> yeah, sorry. <Is> <laughs> That's okay. a little bit off there. 
Um, not quite, so, not quite all the way down the scroll. <laughs> so it's been a really interesting journey. Then about a year and a half ago, I thought, you know, doing 10 minute videos is really not getting the work done. I, I want okay. to share with people enough strategies to help them actually get well and help them actually get free and then get clear of these um, toxic relationships. So I wrote a book. It's called Out of the Fog into the Clear, Journaling to Help You Heal from Toxic Relationships. And so I've been, um, okay. yeah, so it's been an interesting journey and that's pretty much what I'm doing today. Why, why was that the topic that, that got a hold of your audience or, got a, or that they attached to for you? What was that? That's a really think? good question. You know, I think that our, oh boy, our society has really become more and more toxic towards yeah. each other. I think the, you know, there's always been bad actors. Yeah. Mm. My, my first job out of grad school 35 years ago was in a domestic violence shelter. And so there's always been people doing bad mm. things to people. But um, I think it's a lot more prevalent now because people are unrooted in um, their character qualities. I really think that um, people don't really understand what their sense of self is anymore. And they think of it as their um, likes on Facebook or their likes uh, on Instagram. Yes. And they think of it as their hair or their fingernails or their bank account or their job. And really what who we are is what our character qualities are and how we treat other people and our relationships and those sorts of things. And so that's what I wanted to focus on to help people really understand themselves better and be in relationships better. But what I found was that people who have sort of an empathic demeanor tend to tolerate and put up with and not understand that more narcissistic demeanor. And so they're very much at risk ah. of falling in with this sort of person and then they're just completely baffled and blindsided when they get hit by that moving train <laughs> oh that resonates so well with me with with the, the conversations i've had with people who have woken up in this this narcissistic it's like he's just not i just he's a narcissist sure it's like <laughs> you didn't see that for no and <laughs> You're right. They were all, they're very empathic people. They really fall into that. And that's a beautiful trap for, for both parties. Right. And I, I actually wrote a, well, a couple of um, the videos that I did early on once a, a, a narcissist and an empathic person, a tragically perfect match. I, and it, I talk about, <laughs> I, I was just saying how, it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, for the narcissist is perfect. You've got somebody who is not all about themselves. They care about other people. They're super empathic. They want you to be happy. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> For the empathic person, they're going to be bankrupted emotionally, spiritually, yes. physically, the whole For, night. Even, even funny one, financially, even financially somehow. <laughs> even financially yeah. somehow. The narcissist, it's, I mean, yeah, you got to give them credit. They really are clean sweepers. Um, strange behavior. What's the science behind journaling? Because, you know, I've heard such. I've never heard anybody say they wish they didn't do journaling. Right. You know, and everybody says, I did this journal. They talk about it. They go back to journals. They share, you know, the power of reading stuff five years ago. 
uh, the power of doing journaling and how it heals. Is there, is there science behind this and why does this work or, or what's your idea? My feeling about it, and it's the reason it's always worked for me is it's a way to dialogue with yourself and the different aspects of yourself, because we do have different parts of our brain and different parts of our personality that are more or less lost <laughs> at any one given time. So um, I talk about this in my book right off the bat, that there are two parts of our brain. There's the amygdala, which is in that fight, flight, freeze uh, yes. mode. And then we have our higher cortex, our rational mind. And that is that whole upper part of our brain. But this little walnut sized thing in the middle of our brain, if that is going off in that fight, flight or freeze, the higher cortex is offline. It, you might as well plug, pull the plug on the computer, it's gone. And so when people are in wow. this um, dangerous, scary, anxious place, they say, I feel crazy. I feel like I'm going crazy. They say things like that, or I can't, I can't think straight. It's true. So we have to look at the fact that you have this rational mind and you can list off all the things that this person has yes. done and who they are and what they're about and what everybody else thinks. And then you can say, but I still love them. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> you, can, <laughs> you can make decisions from your rational uh -huh. mind and drag the little amygdala along for the ride. So it um, through, jur journaling, through journaling, yeah. Journaling gives you the opportunity to rationally sort out what's going on and to validate that little amygdala that feels very attached and very upset and very hurt but you cannot make decisions from that. That's like letting a five-year-old drive your bus. So you just don't do that. Yeah. Like, but it is where you get caught somehow, right? You end right. up in that kind of 35 years. Holy cow. <laughs> I mean, that's so I, I mean, I have to be honest. I've, I've only sat with like a few hundred people for an hour and like this, you know, I don't think there's no way you can prepare yourself for hearing people's stories. And, you know, I've got a mad respect for somebody like yourself because a few hundred stories and I'm PTSD. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. and I'm, I don't know if I'm empathic or what, I don't even know if that's a thing or not, but, you know, I've definitely feel the other people's emotions. I'm sensitive to other people. I was the youngest of six, you know, I definitely see stuff. Um, I grew up in, a, I think, a normal household, you know, where brothers beat each other up and, you know, we ran around <laughs> and did all that normal. I'm sure I've got a lot of trauma that I don't remember, but it's probably normal, good, healthy trauma, if that's a thing. Um, but I can see I can see where this would be really hard um, to, to do yeah. this for a long time. Yeah, there's a thing called. Um, oh, gosh, the compassion fatigue. Yeah. Um, and I've definitely been through cycles of borderline burnout um, yeah. at different times in my life. And that was part of wanting to sort of share with a larger audience as well, that um, you can't do the one-on-one -on -one all the time. You know, I do two or three days a week and that's plenty for me anymore. Um, and then my yeah. other time is spent writing and doing the things that I can share that are not um, sitting in presence with trauma. Because you're right, it's it's um, there's also a phrase called um, 
oh, what is it? Shoot, it'll pop in my head, but yeah. but that we get trauma from sitting with other people's trauma. Is it from vicarious the... vicarious trauma? Yeah, living. Yeah, vi oh, vi oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it is. And you know, if you do have this kind of imagination thing, you are putting yourself into that scenario. Because for me, it's a story. Yeah, I, I think it, the part that's at least professional side is there's per, you're you're evaluating using tools. You've got this tool set, and you're I would imagine you're sitting there listening to somebody, and you're and you're trying to you know go through the toolbox and figure out what tool do you need for this situation and how do you help the person. And for me, it's I'm listening to the story, and I'm and I'm trying to get into the story and extract the story. Uh, yeah. So maybe a little bit more dangerous in a in a way, <laughs> I, you know, as opposed to judging the swimming, you know, the swimming strokes from the the outside of the pool. I somehow end up in the pool. That's <laughs> um, what it feels like. Um, but yeah, it's a really, you know, it's a it's a beautiful thing to to let people talk and to hear their stories. And and I think the therapy side, that's one of the most beautiful things about it is giving people space and no judgment. And, you know, like that, the technique of holding up this mirror and asking these questions. Yeah. Um, and I think in a way, journaling is doing that for yourself because you're, yes. you're giving voice to all this stuff that's going on inside of you and you're putting it down on paper so that your brain can stop just spinning on it and ruminating on it. But you can look at it and go, oh, wow, I've been through a lot and this is really not acceptable, or I really don't like what's, yeah. where this is going. And so you can really embrace a difference um, when you put it down in, in a journal um, that does kind of, it's your own conversation with you. Yeah, I, I, it, like I said, so many stories or, or antidotes within the stories about the journal, people using journaling. And I really had never never done it. I mean, I have my own books and I keep notes. It's a, but it's not journaling. I use it for to-do lists and other stuff. <laughs> uh, but you know, I can imagine the journaling looking back on it was the most interesting one where people were saying, I'm looking back and I'm going, Oh, I made it through this. I survived yeah. that. You know, I thought I was in the end of the world, you know, four years ago for this thing. And it's like, I've been to three end of the world since then, <laughs> you know, and somehow they survived it. What, Tell me more about your YouTube channel. So you started this and tell us about that journey. Cause that's interesting. Cause it's leading, this is often my experience. It's leading you somewhere else. Right. And, and yes. you're able to share more and help more people through this process. Right. And it surprised me, but it was, yeah. um, but it was something that I did feel called to that, um, you know, when you learn a whole bunch of stuff, and then you're just sharing it one person at a time. And this want, one yeah, person yeah. is going, yes. wow, I wish somebody else had told me this years ago or whatever. Yes. When, when you have that experience over and over again and you want to kind of <laughs> share it with more people. So, um, so starting to do that, it was kind of anxiety provoking. And, I, and my, my videos are not professionally edited <laughs> or anything. They're just... Or just raw footage of me talking about different mental health issues, but um, but yeah, and then I started doing live streams every other week. Okay, for people to ask questions, and and that was really powerful too because people were coming in from all around the world, from literally Russia and Serbia and um, you know the Middle East and. Um, the UK and of course all across the country, but it was just 
was mind blowing to me that um, the people universally are really struggling with these issues and need help and are are hungry for it enough to look up on YouTube. <laughs> so, there you go. And they found you. Mm-hmm. And and you were consistent every week, just kind of for a while. Tell us about your strategy. Did you have a strategy or was this just, I'll start and see what happens? I had a strategy and I was three days a week, three times a week for the first wow. year or maybe two years. I was okay, very wow. consistent, very oh, hard work. That's um, hard. And then, um, you know, it popped and started to do well okay. and that sort of thing. And then I was like, Ugh, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of have to take care of all my other stuff because it's not like I'm making money off of that. So, right. you know, I had to kind of do that. And then writing the book took a lot of time. And so it's been, I have to say, a little hot and cold. But what's funny is um, once people kind of, start watching your stuff it's evergreen and so it's always there so yes. you know people are still watching and and um, asking questions and I do always answer people's questions but I am not as consistent as I should be over the last six months with my every other week live streams or putting out new content or anything like that but it's hard <laughs> it's busy yeah I I like what you've done though and I think and I, and I think more people can do this which is when you have some credibility you've done you've done something you've done this for 35 years you've you've seen a lot you've learned a lot and to be able to share that now is powerful yeah. and we have the platforms to do it yeah um, yeah we have the platforms tell it tell me about the book so this the book came after the show you just right after you started the YouTube, you started, then you started writing a book. What were you thinking about for the book? What were you? I wanted to create a book that was a self-help book so that the, you know, what I'm finding is that there are millions of people all around the world that have no access to mental health therapy, just plain and simple. It's just not going to be there for them. We wish it was, it would be awesome, but it's not realistic. It's not going to happen. And it's sad and it's awful. And there's a lot, and I don't pretend that buying my book is going to be like having a therapist. I want everybody to get a therapist if mm. they can. But if you can't, and even a lot of people actually buy the book and use it with their therapist because it has all these journal prompts in it. Okay, but with, with the book, you can walk yourself through a lot of these journal prompts and go from being lost in the fog to figuring out what happened and then really getting clear and rebuilding your life. And so that was my mission. And yeah, from what I, the feedback I've gotten, that's really what people feel it is helpful for. So that's kind of what's, what it's all about. That has been one of the, the kind of the really powerful moments too, are where people tell me on their journey when they realize they're in this kind of narcissist relationship when they've been really abused in a way, right? I mean, it's abuse yeah. ultimately. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, and it's a wicked kind of abuse because it's mental and it's, you know, it's very damaging, like you said, to the soul, right? They're bankrupt when they, right. when they finally get out or when they get to that pain point or the person's done with them and right. they found somebody and they found somebody else, right? which is also one of the, as I'm just saying that that's also one of the stories. Absolutely they bankrupt somebody and there's nothing left and they move on to the next person. And yep. that's God, that's even got to be the worst, right? Waking up and finding out you've been bankrupt morally, financially, physically, everything. And the person's gone on is, and they didn't even love you. Right. 
Yeah, one of my more recent videos was, did they ever really love me? I walk it through and I say, they have no ability to love. Could and so no I'm sorry to, to say, but they didn't, you know, and that's, that's a painful realization. But it's also helpful to kind of know that it wasn't about you not being lovable. It was about that person being incapable of loving. Because love is mm. a verb. It's not just a, an ooey gooey feeling. It's a verb. And these, if somebody doesn't have any empathy, and if they don't care about your emotions or your thoughts or your feelings, they're not loving you. And you don't feel loved. You, you might yeah, get definitely. a love bomb here and there. Yes. Try to manipulate you and suck you back in, but they're not <laughs> loving. And so I think that even though that's a painful truth, that validating that truth is helpful to, to someone needing to move on. I like that. You know, you need to, and that's, that's gotta be the first, one of the good steps of healing, which is, it wasn't about you. Yeah. Uh, if you can get your head around that, I, I think. Right. Do you think people are, I wonder in that case, cause I, I talk about love. I wrote a book and kind of the things that I've examined around love was self-love. Yeah. And, and how important that is foundationally uh, to just your relationships in life. And I wonder if, a lot of the people who end up with a narcissist haven't got self-love and they're, and they're looking for some of that. And the narcissist knows how to just absolutely butter that bread. Absolutely. And the first set of um, journal prompts in my book is a, they're, they're all about how do you talk to yourself inside your own head? Okay. Because okay. a lot of people have toxic relationships with themselves. Yeah. And if that's the case, you've got to work on that first. Because if, if you're constantly running yourself down, then when you meet somebody who rent, runs you down, it's like, okay, that's home. <laughs> and that's not, <laughs> you know, people say, well, that's comfortable. It's not comfortable, but it's familiar and it's <sighs> awful. But if that, resonates for you you've got a clean house first so we walk through you know who told you those things and and who are you really you know we talk about mm. character qualities and and what people tell you is the truth about who you are because you know i'm worthless love unlovable and and whatever all that those old messages are not truths they were just lies that you either internalized or someone actually told you mm. in the past. So you've got to get rid of the lies and embrace the truths about who you are. And then when you're treating yourself well, that's self-love, yeah. um, then you can have good boundaries with other people because when you meet somebody or you're in relationship with somebody and they start to run you down, you're like, no, no, you didn't. <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> I'm not going to let somebody treat me that way if I don't treat myself that way. Eleanor Roosevelt actually said that, that no one can insult us unless we participate. And that was such wisdom a million years ago. So goodness gracious, right? <laughs> yeah. It, I, I just wonder, you know, as you're, what are some of the signs? Do you, I mean, do you have a, do you have a warning sign? Like if somebody's listening to this ultimately and they're kind of going, yeah, that, that might be, I should look further. You know, is there any yeah, I think, either behavior from the person or your internal conversation? Is there any where your danger you might be you might want to have a deeper go go find some of Shannon's videos? <laughs> what, what's the what's a litmus test for a litmus test for that? I think it's really important to 
keep your own self intact always with everybody, you know, when you're, and when you're meeting a new person, or if you're assessing this relationship, if you feel like you, your thoughts, feelings, wants, and needs don't matter in the relationship, then that's toxic by definition, because yourself is not being nurtured on yes. any level. Yourself is not even being acknowledged on any level. And so you're, when yourself is not acknowledged, nurtured, cared about, yes, it's toxic. And I mean that in the most like poisonous, you're going to die kind of way. Emotionally, people feel so dead inside oftentimes when they get out of these relationships that they don't know what they want. They don't know what they feel or think. And so the, at a very basic level, if your thoughts, feelings, wants, and needs don't matter, you need to really take a giant step back. Now, sometimes we've set right. some of that in motion by being people pleasers and placaters. Yes. And so if you've done a lot of that in the relationship and you think that maybe some of that you've created, if you start showing up with all your thoughts, feelings, wants, and needs on board, it, it, and they go, oh, wow, this is cool, then awesome. But if they go, what? Yeah, rah, 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 and they start yes. to get pouty and angry and snarky, then you know that you're not allowed to matter in this relationship and then you need to move on. How does that look like at work? Oh, it's a challenge because again, you're, you could be, you're attached to this person for sure, but you also could be trauma bonded, which is kind of a, a weird phrase. But what that means is that through a series of them love bombing you and then devaluing you and love bombing you and devaluing you and that cycle has sort of warped your your attachment into this um, place where you are really like survival level attached to this person where you think that you can't survive without them. And that's a horrible place to be. It's like an addiction at that point. Right. And so that's why you've got to separate that wise mind from the amygdala that thinks you're going to die. If yes. You yeah. If you don't get another, if I don't get another hit, if yeah. I don't get that love bomb. Right. You'll, maybe I'll get it tonight. Yeah. And that little breadcrumb that they might throw my way. But if you put yourself in the hands of your rational mind yes. and you make it a good decision and then walk it through, then you can save yourself. And then in my, in the whole end of my book, the whole last four or mm -hmm. five chapters is all about rebuilding okay. because okay. you've bankrupted. Um, you've become so bankrupted emotionally, physically, spiritually, financially, maybe, um, you really have to rebuild. And a lot of people don't give themselves that time. And I've seen people go into a new relationship that's exactly like the old relationship. And that's what? really tragic. So you have to rebuild and really have a good sense of self and, and really have a good creepo meter on board before you start into another relationship. Because and a lot of people say my picker's broke and you got <laughs> to fix that picker before I you go back out there. I, yeah, I, I think it, like you said, it, it's, you have to build yourself. The picker's not broken. You're just haven't healed yourself. Right. Right. You're right. not in that. You haven't found that, that self-love to where, mm -hmm. you know, people do something and you're like, wait a minute, what are you, that's, yeah. yeah. I was going to ask you that to people 
I guess the flip side of going back to it would be those joyous moments for you when you get a letter or you have a client Mm -hmm. and they've come out of this and they've got a new relationship. I mean, for you, that's got to be just magical where they enter a hell, what looks like at least from, from first cut, at least looks like a great relationship. And they, and they come back and they're telling you how things have changed. Oh yeah. So many stories and it's, it's very gratifying. And that's where the compassion fatigue is, is assuaged. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, ah, this is wonderful. So yeah, I mean, I love my work and I love the people that I've worked with and um, it's just, it's an amazing process to see people heal. And, and when people get out of a bad relationship, just because of something they saw on a, on a, one of my videos that kind of gave them that aha yes. moment uh-huh. that changed uh, the way they looked at it. So they weren't, cause what happens too, is people start to come out of this fog and then they, the first thing they say, and this is across the board, they say, how could I have been so stupid to stay so long? And I go, Whoa, time out. <laughs> you, <laughs> you stayed because you're a loving, devoted, dedicated, caring, empathic person who believes the best in people and believes people when they mm-hmm. say they're going to change. Those are great qualities. Yes, you need to be more careful with who <laughs> with whom you share those, but you are not stupid. There is nothing nothing that uh, is more untrue. So we we tend to, again, kind of blame ourselves when you can yeah. step back and know. And that's part of what my channel is about, too. It's safe space for people to say, yeah, I went through that, too. Oh, my God, you, too. Oh, my God. You know, so it's then you don't feel so stupid because millions of people are going through it. And also you can get wisdom from each other and support and care from each other. I, this is what I love, the sharing part. And it's what I'm kind of what I'm hoping to do with this, with this program, you know, yeah. is to, is to, is people can find experts in different areas and vertical parts of, of this, of this mental health um, kind of arena, right? It's so broad. Yeah. Where, where I want to watch our time, but I, I got a, I like another question. I'm like, want to know if you've got your, your theory on okay. what, where are narcissists made? What is mm. the background? You know, everybody has a story and I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm seeing, you know, we're a product of our environment. I, you know, it's not like it's a DNA. You don't, you know, you don't come out with blue eyes and a narcissist personality. Maybe, I, maybe you do. Actually, um, actually it it's a combination. Yeah, oh my it's, God. It's really? Interesting. Yeah. Unfortunately, there is some, yeah, there tell, is tell some evidence. Yeah. There is some evidence that, that people, uh, there is some empathic gene and um, some people have more of it or, or have a healthier one. I'm not a scientist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> don't yeah, pretend. Exactly, yeah. Or but, what's healthy. Um, we, we don't know. But some people ha- are more empathic and some people are more self-centered. Okay. Now then what happens is the environment, right? Yeah. And so that really narcissistic kid with parents who, you know, call them out and, structure their lives and, you know, really reinforce the need to be empathic or that empathic kid who we teach boundaries and (laughs) teach, you know, wisdom. So those things are really important. Um, And what I find is that there might be some, 
some sort of propensity for that. And then it can be indulgent parenting. Yes. It can be that there's an empathic and a narcissistic parent couple that the kids have grown up with and they don't oh, want to align with the loser. They, yeah. They see the empathic person as the one that always loses. And so they align with the more abusive narcissistic person. And I would say that's more often the case than anything else. And so then they, they, they watch them, they model after them. When I was in the, the domestic violence shelter way back, there was a little two and a half year old boy and he was, had come in with his mother and, um, and he asked for some ice cream and she said, well, it's just about dinner time. You can have some after dinner. And he went up to her and he was literally came up to her, the middle of her thigh. He punched her and kicked her and, and said, I want ice cream now you effing B. And he was two and a half. Like that's the kind of modeling that you're fighting. If you, if a kid has been raised in that kind of environment, uh, that's really, yeah. Heart stopping. <laughs> we were like, Oh my gosh. What a, I mean, also like how interesting to go, holy cow, it's that, like, it's that direct. Starts that early. Yeah. I mean, he was observing how to get things done with mom and he was doing that. And when you don't so, do what I say, you get violent. That's right. And you threaten and you threaten and then you get, then it always works. Yeah. Horrible. So anyway, yeah, it is nature and nurture. It is a nature and, nurture, um, okay. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, sometimes on, I, one of my most watched videos this past six or eight months has been when your son or daughter is a narcissist. Oh, man. And that's oh, a gosh. really tough one. That hurts really me just hearing one. that. I know, it's horrible. And um, and then some sometimes people will creep in on my channel and say, well, they created them, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, no, no. You know, and and most of the people who are saying um, will say that my partner was a narcissistic person and they saw me getting beat up. And now my kids are beating me up emotionally or physically. Um, and so it, oh, it that is that dynamic. That... Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. I was just saying that breaks my heart no, to yeah. hear that. The You're getting those comments in the channel, which tells you how widespread that is right i mean that's a real thing yeah it's really widespread so Oof. that's <laughs> tough stuff but a great what's the next book or what's the next plan for <laughs> writing what's your what are you working on now because i mean you're obviously you you already put 35 years into the youtube that was a crazy idea that, that led was. you to a <laughs> That was a crazy idea and look what happened. And that led you to a book and that led you to talk about it. What's, what do you, what's cooking in your head now? You know, I might do some sort of group coaching um, type of things so that I can help more people, but not in a one-to-one -one kind of a way, because yes. I just, I don't have any space in my private one-to-one -one practice, yeah. but a group coaching kind of a thing where people could get more attention and more mm. of their needs met and maybe walk through the book with me. Um, that kind of thing. I don't know. It's just brewing right now in the back burners. Yeah. One of the really interesting things is, is really is, is teaching. I don't know how you quite did the YouTube videos and stuff, but now there are some learning, you know, you, maybe you turn the book into an actual learning book 
right. and online so people can walk, like you said, walk through it. Right. I, I love group therapy idea. Uh, I interviewed a, a, a team on here, and I think it's called June, J-O-O-N. Hmm. And it's an online group therapy, kind of a, kind of a better help set, oh, okay. but it's, it's group uh, and they have a therapist in there. And so you can join in and they had topics, different kinds of topics. And they, they pivoted, they've pivoted a couple of times since I interviewed them and they're now focused on teens. Huh, I've never heard of that. It's a great, I thought it was a great pivot. Now I don't yeah. know how you do it legally because you've got kids joining on a group call. Um, but there's a therapist on there and by it's by theme. So you could be talking about narcissistic parents join this yeah. group chat and yeah. like at 11 PM tonight, we have, you know, dealing with friends with addiction, yeah. uh, you know, and so there's these different kind of topics you can go and sit and listen. No, and you, and I like, yeah. And I like it because the level of participation is really up to you. You could probably turn your camera off and just listen. Yeah. Or yeah. you could jump up on stage and, you know, and be, and be asking the questions and sharing, you know, quite vocally for the, with the group. Yeah. Um, and, and I think with the teenage, I think online with teenagers, this is a really great place to, to provide some help. So I thought it was cool. That is cool. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see. I, I got to follow up with that. I got to keep track of them. I haven't, I haven't gone back <laughs> and seen what they're up to, but the, I did see the, these marketing pivots over time. Yeah. I thought, oh, very clever. Yeah. They were, they were going after corporate for a while. And you know, that seems like a, a pushing a big, heavy rock up a hill. And the, <laughs> The teen part just seemed to me like, oh my goodness, you know, right up teens alley, right? Yeah. Very needed. We need it. And teens would probably be very open to not sitting on a couch with, with <laughs> some old person, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, yeah. you know, but sitting in a, you know, sitting on an online chat with 12 other teenagers and some old person, you know, <laughs> running the sh you know r monitoring the, the, the conversation. All right. <laughs> Shannon, awesome uh, chat. Uh, you know, any other, you know, how to, I, I think we had the, how to find you. Let me put that back up, how people can find you. How about your book? It's on Amazon. Maybe give us a title one more time. Yeah. So nofoggydays.com is my website and landing page. And that has my um, book link on Amazon, uh, out of the fog into okay. the clear journaling to it. help you heal from toxic relationships. And it also, the website has my uh, YouTube okay. and LinkedIn and all the other stuff. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, yeah. Shannon, thanks. Thanks so much. This episode will go live when we finish or it'll okay. go into the art archives of, uh, you know, these ginormous platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, and, and um, YouTube. And then in a, in a few couple of weeks, uh, we will get, get it out on all the regular audio platforms as well. So awesome. you'll be able to find that and we'll come in. We'll give you a little bit of a note. And, and I just want to thank, thank you for being part of this fabric, this kind of giant quilt uh, that we're building. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun, Ken. Yeah, it's great. I'm going to look forward to, I want to get on your YouTube. So you've got, uh, you know, 24 more subscribers to 25,000. <laughs> we're going to get there really quickly. Oh, you're going to get there. I'll find, I'll find you a little bit later. All Hang right. on. Uh, I'll see you in a minute. I'm going to show like, a little more commercial and I'll see you on the other side. Sounds good. Yeah, loose, baby. 
but we're about to go and make this vessel with these great professionals yeah. in public glass. We're not part of the community, but we're from the outer family of glass blowing. Yeah, we're gonna go make a magical giant jar with optic lenses so that if you turn it, it changes all the time. So if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change.